Well, the annual debate has, we thought it was done. And now I hear it's back again about, are we going to have more corn acres and less soybean acres? Or as USDA said, more soybean acres than corn acres. Anyway, all markets are closed on Monday for Memorial Day holiday. That's a good thing considering the amount of havoc that managed money funds have caused in the commodity market over the last several sessions. Weather has been a market driver in recent weeks as well, but subsiding now that the majority of the corn and soybean crops are getting planted but soils in the western corn belt that got rain lately are now starting to dry out again. Just about the time they were celebrating about getting some rain, now they've got hot temperatures and wind again and things are getting dried out. We'll talk about that with the guys here coming up. Coley and Cavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And I tell you what, all you need to do is take a quick trip to Washington, D.C. like I did here a couple of weeks ago and you find out what the Farm Bureau is doing to fight the battles of the farm world and farm families. Taxes, waters of the U.S., broadband, you know, all of this stuff and the next farm bill coming up as well. Just to make sure the farm families can keep farming and keep the farm in the family. Do yourself a favor. Support your local Farm Bureau by simply becoming a member. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Well, gentlemen, uh, I've been looking forward to catching up with you guys this week because, David, the managed money funds have been causing a big problem with the commodities market. I suspect as soon as the stock market begins to dump that these guys, they run to the commodity market to try and cover their backside from going negative. That's been going on. I remember stories from the Depression where they lost money and the stock market went into the commodity market. So, yeah, but the funds have been getting nervous with their long positions, watching the stock market sell off, talk of recession. So they've been selling. I saw this on Twitter. The guy made so much sense. He says, don't watch these outside people. They don't know the grain markets like we do. He says, watch the cash markets. The basis levels are improving all over the Midwest for corn and especially for soybeans. It's like you've been to a big party. Everybody's gorged at all this bullish news. Look at the prices where they are. People definitely at this point just want to go to sleep and forget all this and wake up when we see something really bullish to set us off. You know, you got to feed the bull twice a day, but the bear can sleep all day (laughs) and still get his job done. Hey, John, you've talked about the corn-soy ratio a number of times, but I think it was two weeks ago that you had mentioned that the uh, ratio between corn and soy was at about 2.35 or something. I saw 2.09 this week. Uh, John, explain to people why it is a measuring stick that we watch. Well, it's just a quick way of determining the profit, the relative profitability of planting corn versus planting soybeans. A break-even point is approximately 2.4. When you're at 2.4 price ratio, that means it's about equally profitable for corn and soybeans. As you get closer to two, it favors corn. You know, and that's telling you that corn is more profitable than soybeans. And of course, if it gets over 2.4, let's say it goes to 2.8 or 3.0 then it's clearly more profitable to grow soybeans versus corn. And so that's a that's a quick way of determining which one is more profitable. And of course, when the market, it, it the price ratio changes because the market is trying to get farmers to plant more corn or trying to get farmers to plant more soybeans. And it's very clear that the fact that this ratio has gone from 2.35 all the way down to almost 2.0 is saying that the market's trying to get the farmer to plant more corn. Whether or not that's going to happen, we'll have to wait and see. But the thing that's concerning right now is, certainly in some parts of the country, the more north we are, as we get into June, then, you know, the economics don't play as much of a role because then farmers are just reluctant to plant corn that late. 
and have a tendency to switch the soil needs. Now, that didn't really start to occur, David, I don't think, until you get into the past of the middle of June. So I still think the market's trying to get more corn acres, but whether we get them or not, IH Market, the former Informa, lowered their corn acres to 90.5 versus soybean acres at 89. But Dr. Perdodier, who's a highly respected agronomist, he's the other way around. He thinks the corn acres are going to go down to 89 and the soybean acres are going to go to 91 million. And they may even go a million or two higher than that. Mm. What side are you taking, David? I'm cornflakes right now. I'm going with the corn. Definitely. I, am, I am too. I'm going with the corn. And we've said that so many times before. You know, if farmers even have the opportunity to plant corn, they probably will. So we'll go with that until we see otherwise. David, one of the things that you were explaining this week was the veg oil market because it's having an impact in a kind of a sideways sort of a way with soybeans. That just has turned into a mad scream ramble here globally. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen this phenomenon going on for quite a while. And I think we really can't get a handle on this because the whole thing revolves around palm oil. And again, it's not part of our nomenclature. It's part of Malaysia and in Indonesia. They understand palm oil very well. But remember, Indonesia banned the exports of palm oil and they were expecting the prices to come down. Well, number one, they haven't come down as the consumers expected. They were expecting the grocery store shelves to start showing up with more palm oil. It hasn't happened there either. So, the people are getting ready to riot. Plus, now they're having trouble developing their palm oil like they like. There's a product they get from it called Olean that they're not getting as much as they used to. That's a big part of their market. Plus, we're seeing crude oil prices going up here in the U.S. You know, they had a big jump this week. And, you know, we're using a lot of vegetable oil to make biodiesel all over the world. So that's also having a big push on the vegetable oil markets. Well, export sales this week, particularly for corn, what I'm being told, John, is a market year low, but still new crop corn and soybean sales are already record large for this time of year with China being the primary buyer of both of those. How are you looking at the export sales as we get into the middle of summer? Well, I think as we get into the middle of summer, I think corn is going to lag. And the reason why is very simple. Right now, cheapest corn is coming out of uh, South America. Argentina and Brazil are getting into harvest. When the corn comes out of harvest, they're going to cut the price to move it because they don't they don't store that much of it. They just sell it. Therefore, the cheapest corn in the world right now is coming out of South America. And that's going to hold until, generally speaking, until late August. And then it switches back to the United States. So, no, I think, uh, yeah, the corn market uh, is going to be on the soft side from, from the standpoint of exports for probably for the balance of the summer. Yeah, but let me take it to task because I've been talking about Egypt. Egypt's buying an awful lot of soybeans from us. You know, they're like the second or third buyer, but it's consistent. This last week, they announced they bought 132,000 tons of soybeans. Japan, 123,000. Netherlands, 66. I've noticed here in Europe because they've taken away the GMO stuff. They're buying from us. But China canceled 108,000 tons. So they're fading away. Egypt's coming to the fore right now buying soybeans from It's going to be interesting to see how all of this shakes out, particularly given, David, the weather patterns. You talked about it some on your weekly reports, and I have as well. Several growing regions have been struggling with dryness, and some analysts are suggesting that's behind some of the export demand lately because buyers want to make sure they're covered just in case there are any shortages. India lowered their wheat production to 99 million tons. Just a week ago, it was 110 million, so dropping weekly. French wheat conditions falling hot and dry there. Good to excellent rating. Dropped almost five points this past week. And now, David, the U.S. Climate Prediction Center says drought expansion in Iowa is 
likely this summer. Yeah, you know, that India projection was a U.S. ag attache, but his cut was very significant, like you said, from 110 down to 99. It's very significant, I feel. But you know, the big story of the week, of course, was Russia offering the end of the sanctions. They're trying to get to get rid of those because they're suffering so much economically. They want to open up ports for grain exports from Ukraine. They want the mines demined so they can get into the ports and get out, but they won't let any military escort vessels go with these grain ships. The whole thing is it's a faint thing. They want to take the mines out so they can attack Odessa and some of the other ports so they can take them over. It's just a feel good for the markets right now for world food security to say, yes, Ukraine can export. Nope, I still see it going to the railroads to the West to do export the grain and not out of the ports anytime soon. Hey, don't trust the Russians. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They've set this thing up so that no matter what we do, they win and we lose. But David, go back to the weather for just a second because I'm hearing a lot more about about the potential for La Nina to really have an impact on our growing regions anyway. Drought expansion in Iowa, uh, you don't want to hear that. And then another one this week that said, "Mm, yeah, we're probably going to go back to the weather pattern that we had last year where Iowa did struggle in and out of drought. So David, tell us what you're looking at. Yeah, it's very illustrative because the polar vortex doesn't have the impact that it does in the winter. But I've seen that very, very tangible on our weather. You know, we keep getting these storms across Texas, Oklahoma, and going into the east. We even had that huge tornado. What was that? Force 3 in Gaylord, Michigan, out of nowhere. Where'd that come from, right? It's coming from La Nina, which pulls the colder air down. And so that brings this huge weather change where we got the hot air. We got plenty of hot air. But when it mixes with the cold air, that's when you get these tremendous tremendous storms that have all sorts of tornadic activity. And now they're saying this could be one of the greatest hurricane season we've seen in many, many years, probably a record number of hurricanes because of La Nina. And it's a double dip, La Nina. Point is, we could go to a triple dip. We could go into fall and winter with a lessening La Nina and then go back to La Nina again next year. So it ain't over yet. Okay, now hold it. Now, you, you were talking about, uh, well, I can't remember the term, uh, what, prosthesis? Uh, what was it? <laughs> Homeostasis. Oh, no. The sun's an onion. John. Here we go. It's then. full of layers and when they all get synchronized, because normally they go in different directions, which makes solar activity increase, did have homeostasis, which meant the sun was finally regulated, but now we're going back to more solar activity. Hogwash. I'm seeing a lot more sunspots coming out. <laughs> sunspot? Yes. The Folks, sun I'm sorry. Is- I can't give you all sunspots. They come up all the time and they mean nothing. They've never, ever correlated with anything very positive. If you know John, he doesn't like the sun, so John, I love the sun. This is about sunspots. You're out in the... I don't know where you are. David and I did agree on one thing, and that was that we're going to get more corn acres some people think. Maybe not, because look at the cash bean markets. I'm tired. I'll tell you what that's telling me is that all these analysts have been saying all year that the USDA is too high on the carryover, but the real carryover is going to be considerably lower and extremely tight. The cash market's showing that. It's showing us that beans are not out there. They've been sold. There aren't as many as we thought. The basis has hit numbers, uh, frankly, at some soybean plants as much as a dollar over in some cases. That's phenomenal. That says we are very, very tight on soybeans. I'm kind of nervous the fact that some of the uh, corn analysts in South America 
are thinking that the Brazil corn production is 12 million bushels below what USDA says. So we got a lot of funny numbers out there, folks. So here's a watch point. Write it on your dry erase board, your chalkboards. I don't care. Put it in the kitchen. Put it in your workshop. The all-time, all-time high in soybeans was in December of 2012. And here's the number. $17.68 was the all-time high. And where did we close on Friday? Uh You guys all know it. If you don't know, look it up so you can check it. We're awful close to that all-time high in soybeans. We could sneeze and take out that all-time high. And then where we headed, John? (laughs) You take that 17.68 out, we're certainly headed, just from a tactical standpoint, to 1840 to 50. Yes. But you know, if things get really bad with weather, it could even hit $20. I think you need some weather problems. They're good. Weekly pork sales, David. Amazing, actually. 36,700 metric tons of pork. I think you were telling me a significant amount of that went to China? Yes, they're a buyer again. I'm loving this because they keep saying we don't want pork, we want beef, we got plenty of pork. Well, no, they did see Mexico buying 15.1. We saw Canada. Thank you, Ken. Both of our trading partners, 5.7 liters. But look at China. They bought 5.3 thousand tons of pork and also 2.5 thousand tons of beef. So they backed off the beef and buying more pork. Hey, if they've got so much pork and they got so many more hogs, how come they're buying pork from us? Uh Uh-huh. Because we've got it. All right, John, I know we forgot something, okay? We're just going to leave it right there and hand it over to you. What did we forget? You forgot something really pretty important. Here I got this crazy band next to me that's going on about weather nonstop. And, of course, we've talked a lot about the acre situation. We'll tie the two together. Currently, we have our major weather problems as we're in the planting season seem to be in the northwestern part of the western belt, primarily in parts of Minnesota, Montana, and in particular, North Dakota, which is, by the way, farther behind on planting than any other state. They only had 20% of the corn crop planted. We talked about dry weather, and, and Rob, you mentioned this, at the western U.S., the western Western belt in general, especially the Plains states, they're still suffering from hot and dry weather. Put those two together, and analysts currently think that's going to cost us to lose one to one and a half million acres of spring wheat, and we'll lose uh, a half to one million acres of corn. That's significant in both cases, and also the corn acres is in direct contrast to what David and I just predicted on the final planted acres. But we are talking one particular part of the country. Keep an eye on that. That's what the market is watching currently when it comes to planted acres. Cody and Kevin, I brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. Like I said earlier, you know, you go to Washington, D.C. and talk to the members of the Farm Bureau and you realize they're fighting the battles for us in D.C. with Congress. Issues like taxes, waters of the U.S., broadband, and a new farm bill coming up. And boy, there's a lot in that farm bill that really needs the input of the Farm Bureau, who tells the story of farm families right at the grassroots level. So make sure your family can keep farming and keep farming in the family. Support your local Farm Bureau by simply becoming a member. All you got to do is go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.